Hey, good morning. And happy Easter. Hey, we are so glad that you're worshiping with us at the Grove today. If you are new, I'm Charlie Lofton, the lead pastor here, and very excited that you are here with us. If it's your first time or if it's your hundredths of times, we're really glad that you are worshiping with us this Easter and just really hoping that by the time this morning is done, that wherever it is you were, that God has taken you to a, a higher place of just excitement and celebration about what it is that Jesus Christ did for us that weekend. And so we look forward to kind of celebrating that with all of you and just kind of talking a little bit about it here for a few minutes. And we've been in this series kind of leading up to this. We've been kind of building towards this for a while. We've kind of been looking at this passage called the Upper Room Discourse where Jesus is kind of reflecting and kind of talking to his disciples all the way up until the moment like he's about to get arrested. And the way it describes it at the very beginning, it says that, you know, they were having the, the what, they, what we call the Last Supper, you know, the one where they're all standing on one side of the table eating really weird. Maybe you've seen that picture. They probably weren't all on one side of the table, but it's a nice painting anyway, right? Anyways, so it was like the Last Supper, they're celebrating Passover together, and they're finished with that, and it says Jesus' mind begins to think. He's like, he knows what's about to happen. He knows his arrest and his death are imminent. And he looks and he's kind of thinking about these, these guys that are with him. And as he's thinking about what's ahead, he says that his love for his disciples kind of overwhelmed him. And so what happens next is kind of his reflection with them. It's kind of, hey, something's about to happen. It's going to be difficult for you guys to process that. And he's kind of explaining that to them. And then, hey, I'm about to leave. And so here's what it's going to be like. Here's what you need to about when I'm gone. And I don't know what you were like as a kid. I don't know what your kids are like. But, you know, sometimes there's that kid that, like, if you're going to drop them off at school for the first time or you're going to leave them at home for the first time or they're going to college or whatever, you kind of got to give them a speech. I was, I was that kid. I needed, I, needed, I needed the speech. Listen, we're dropping you off here. With the, I, you need to be on your best behavior. And, and they're saying all the things that I should and shouldn't do. And my brain is like, scheme, 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 scheme. Or they're telling me something I shouldn't do. It's like, well, actually, that's a great idea. I have, to write, I have to write that one down. I don't know if I thought about that, right? This is a little bit like that, but infinitely nicer, right? It's I'm about to be gone. You guys have never really been on your own before. You've been following me. You've been following Jesus, right? But I've always been here. Now I'm about to be gone, and there's some things that I need to make sure that you really understand. And the first thing, a big thing he's trying to do is trying to help them process what's about to happen. They can't really put their mind around the fact that, that, that Jesus, who they believed was going to save everyone, kind of overthrow the Romans and kind of bring in this kingdom, right? He's not going to be executed. And he's also talking about going to the Father, going to God the Father. He's like, what, is that? what does that mean? He's explaining, trying to help them process his death trying to help them understand what it means and how they can, where he's going to be with the Father, you're going to be able to come with me. He's also talking about, hey, right now, like you, you're looking for advice, you just come talk to me. Well, you, the Holy Spirit's going to come, and you're going to have to learn how to communicate with God's Spirit, and you're going to have to learn about the, the necessary kind of spiritual intimacy that you need to have in order to kind of do this life without me. And, and the really cool thing about it is, even though it's kind of a very specifically tailored message for helping these guys kind of transition from a Jesus is around to Jesus is not around, basically everything that he says is really important for us too because it's the same thing for us. Trying to figure out what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus Christ when Jesus isn't physically tangibly here. And so it's, it's a great thing. If you've not read it, 
If you're not studying, I encourage you. You can start at John 14, kind of go all the way through 16. And we find ourselves at the beginning of 17 here where things kind of transition a little bit. He's kind of finished talking to them. And then he was like, then his heart begins to turn to prayer. Yeah, all these things that he needed to communicate to his, to his guys. And now as we kind of take this now one step closer to what is going to be a really agonizing 24, 36 hours for him, his heart turns to God in prayer. And it's a pretty lengthy prayer. We're just going to look at this first few verses because I think what they really do is kind of point us to the significance, the real spiritual significance about what's to happen through Jesus' death and his resurrection. John 17, starting verse 1. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now... Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. So a couple of words that kind of just kind of, just kind of jump out there and make sure we kind of got our mind. He talks about eternal life a lot. We're going to talk about what that means. He also uses the word glorify a lot. God, glorify me so I can glorify you. And then I, he says it again at the end. I want you to glorify me. Like really just think of it in terms of kind of like an, an elevating like an elevate, like, 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 like turning on a big light. Put, put a, put, let me shine, God. It's like, I've, I've humbled myself, but now we're here at this point. I want you to glorify me. Put this bright light on me. Kind of help me do this thing that I'm about to do so that I can then do the same thing to you that, that what you're doing for me. Now I can point everybody and, and lift you up, put a big bright light on you. Like there's kind of this glorifying, like Jesus is recognizing. He kind of, he's in this big transition and he's trying, and he's and he's and he's talking to God about hey the significance of this, and how important what's about to happen as far as what it means for eternal life for everyone, the people that you've given me, the authority that Jesus has, and so what eternal life is supposed to be, and so we get here this picture, and this is kind of this opening statement in his prayer. God, what's coming next is of incredible significance. And I, and, and I need you and I want you. I want you to shine a light on what's about to happen because I want the world to have eternal life. So let's just kind of look at a little bit more in depth the kind of the things he's saying that can really kind of help us, again, just kind of fully understand how important and powerful the, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is. And the first one is this thing he says very early on. For you granted him. He's kind of doing third person here. So we'll just say it's like... You know, for you granted me, Jesus, you've granted Jesus the authority over all people that he, Jesus, might give eternal life to those that you've given him. So the first thing Jesus, we, need, we understand here is that eternal life, eternal life comes through Jesus. And the very beginning of this passage, we look back in John 14, it was kind of the big question that was being asked. He's kind of talking about, I'm going to the Father and I'm going to go prepare this place for you and and, and then basically he says, and you know the way to the Father. And they're, and they're like, you can just kind of, 
And the way that the interaction with the questions back and forth, and you just tell they were kind of like, Jesus, you kind of you got a lot of riddles, a lot of riddles sometimes. Like, I don't really know what you're talking. If you would just show us the way to the Father, that, like, that would be enough. Just tell us that. And his response is, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. They're asking him to lay out a path for them so that they can get to the Father. Show us the path. Show us the No, there's not a path. I'm the path. There's not a way. I'm the way. There's not life out there. I am life, which is an incredible statement really about his deity, but really about who he is and where life is found. Because I think their question, very similar to a lot of our questions are, what are the things that I'm supposed to do? What are the things that I need to do? What are the things that I need to believe? What is on the list? Can you show me the list? And Jesus says it's not a list to the degree that there's I, I am the list. I, it, it, it is me. Not, not I'm going to take you there, not I'm going to point you that I am it. And so I was thinking about this this week, right? Um, I don't know if you've got bucket lists, bucket list things you'd, li- you'd like to do at some point, right? You've got all these things maybe that you, you want to accomplish at some point in your life, right? And some of them are just kind of like <sighs> psych yourself up for it. Like some of you, I don't know. Some of you may be like, um, like I got marathon on your list somewhere. Good for you. I've got a 50-year-old knee. If it was on my list, it's not, it's not on that list anymore, right? You may have, and it's not like there's like huge obstacles between you and doing that, except I got I to gotta talk myself really into doing it and doing the work to make it happen. So there's those kinds of things. And there's also the ones where it's like, I would really like to do this, but I've got to accumulate the money to be able to do it. It's just I got, I've got... I, I want to go see this, and so I need to figure out, i got to block out the time, gather up the money to go do it. But then there are some things on your list, and I've got some of these things on my list, and I'm not going to talk about them, because if I did here on Easter Sunday, there's a big crowd, it's like, and here are some things I wish I could do someday. You'd be like, oh, passive-aggressive guys trying to talk us, guilt us into something. It's not like that at all. But there are some things like, it doesn't matter how much money you have. It does not matter how much you want it. You need someone. Like you got to know somebody. Someone's got to take you there. It's a, a VIP experience of some kind, a behind-the-scenes experience of some kind, where it's like I, 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 need, I need to know somebody to get there, to do this thing. It's not about what I do, about how hard I work, how much I want it, how much money I have. I, I, need, I need someone. And so the path to eternal life the key to eternal life, the, the, the way to the Father, all these ways it's described at different times throughout this passage. It is not about what you do. It's not about who you are, how good you can be, what you can have. It's not, it's, you, need, you need the VIP to, to walk you through it. He, he, he is the path. In fact, that's a, it's, a, it's a bit of a, not even a great analogy because he describes himself, Jesus like, I am the door, he uses. I, I'm the way, I'm the door. It's like it, it is him. And so if, if the key, if the way, if the path, if the life, if the door is Jesus, it really gets us this important conclusion that, I, that, that Jesus is about to say here. It really is not. It really is not about what you do. And he says as much here as he keeps going on that eternal life comes through Jesus and, and God has done, God has done all the work. And Jesus says something here that depending on how familiar you are with the Bible and kind of 
basic Christian theology might be a little what? Because basically what Jesus says here at this prayer is like, I've done the work that you've called me to. And if you know the story about what's to happen over the next three days, like, bro, I hate to break it to you. You got a, you got a, you got a lot more it's about to happen. I mean, there's, there's, there's about to be some really significant things that are about to happen. Like, you're, you're, not, you're not quite finished. And, and he knows that. But essentially what he's saying here is like, I've done this thing. I've recruited these disciples. I've pointed them to you. I've helped them understand who you are. I've gathered this group that's going to be able to take this message of hope and life to the world. I've laid the foundation for this movement that I know is going to happen. I've done that. And now we're at this point and you see Jesus kind of handing it to God. God, God the Father, now I need you. Now it's your turn to take this thing that is about to happen. He's about to, again, for lack of a better word, about to become kind of a passive sacrifice. He's about to let things happen to him. He's going to let himself be arrested. He could fight it, but he doesn't. He's allow himself to be executed when he could easily get himself off of that cross if he wanted to. He's about to let things happen to him. And he's saying, God, now this thing that's about to happen, now you're going to show up and you're going to put a light on this and you're going to glorify me and you're going to raise me up. You're going to bring me back from the dead and you're going to do all of these things as you do the thing you're going to do which is reconcile the world back to you through this death. And you're gonna show the world that death no longer is the end by raising me back from the dead. Now, I'm giving it to you. And you'll, and you'll hear him say, again, something similar while he's on the cross. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Where He's moving from this kind of active role of kind of teaching miracles training the disciples to, now God the Father is about to come in and he's about to do this incredible thing through Jesus' sacrifice. So depending on how you want to put these theological pieces together, you're like, bro, you're kind of, you're kind of, whoo, whoo, whoo. that's fine too, right? Here's all you need to know. Jesus, he did a lot of work. God the Father, he's doing some work. Guess who's not doing any work? You're not doing any work. There's nothing left for you to do. There's nothing left for you to do. As far as how you can find eternal life, as far as how you can be reconciled to God, Jesus, he came down here. He sacrificed. He allowed himself to be a sacrifice. God took that and used it to save the world. You don't have a job left except to believe. Again, it's not about the money you bring. It's not about the things that you do. It's not about, it's not about any of that. And here's the thing, I know, I know, I've been around way too long. I've talked to so many people. And we just cannot, so many of us, cannot get past this idea of if I'm, if I'm going to get right with God, there's some things I have to do first. I got, I got, I got to clean myself up. I, I, got, I, got to get, I got to get right, I got to get right with God. Right? And, 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 and it's like, you got, you, got to, you, got to, you got to put on your best. You got to look your best. You got to do your best. You got to work hard. There's a list somewhere, and we can't get past the list. And, and, and a really interesting, funny thing happened to me this morning that, uh, I, I don't know, so this is not, if you see me not on Sunday, you're, I mean, this is not, this is not what you're going to see. I've got, I've, got, I've got a uniform, right? And it is athletic shorts and some sort of razorback top. Sweatshirt if it's cold, right? That, that's it. That's the uniform. You see me any other day, that's what you're going to see. And so I get up really early before church, always, and I'll sit at this McDonald's. It's over here and kind of 
you know, come at myself, kind of go over the notes or whatever. But I, I'm not trying to wear this. I'm not trying to wear this. And so I'm in, I'm in full uniform, right? Athletic shorts, gray, razorback. So I bring my clothes with me. I'm walking down the hall. And because it's Easter, I guess people got here, more people got here early. We're like, what on earth? I was like, is this what we're doing on Easter? And I was like, I know, right? I was like, we totally should. And then I began thinking about it. I was like, it would be so great, right? It'd be so great. But we'd have to plan it. I have to get permission from a lot of different people, my wife, lots of different people. But like, it would be a great idea, right? Just think about it. I'm up here in the, in the outfit, Razorback shorts, Razorback tee, and I'm like, you think it's about the way that you look. You think God's only going to accept you if you put on the right clothes and act the right way and do the right thing. But here I am. This is me. God accepts me. And I could get away with it. I could. I think I could. So Easter 2023, write it down. He's going to come up. He's finally come up with a spiritual reason to wear athletic gear. But it's real, though. We, we do this, right? You put on your best clothes. Put on your best attitude, your best words. Blessings, brother. It's great to be in the, uh, God's house today, right? We, we do all of that, and we think somehow, like, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the right things. I'm, I'm marking the things off the list. I'm, I'm, do, I'm doing it. And now if I do all these things, God will accept me. But the work has already been done. Jesus did the work. The Father did the work. It says the wages of sin is death. The work that you do is sin and brings death. The gift of God is life through Jesus. Because of what we've done, our sin has separated us, isolated us from God. It has isolated us from other people. It is destroying our soul from the inside. Pick, 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 pick any of these, all of these repercussions that come from the sin that we do. And, and Jesus, and, and the Bible says, what that does is that has earned you death. But Jesus dies, like, I'll, I'll die. I don't want you to die, I'll die. And it says it's a gift. And you don't receive a gift. You don't, you don't work to earn a gift. You work to earn paychecks. You receive gifts. Because the work has already been done. And so eternal life, it comes through Jesus. God has done all the work. But then he describes here what eternal life is. And I think if I say, hey, God wants you to have eternal life, there's something that comes to your brain that I think is going to be very different than the definition that Jesus gives for it right here. Verse 3, now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. He's describing eternal life, not in terms of how long it's going to last. He doesn't describe it in terms of heaven. He describes it as a, as, as a reality right now. So eternal life, according to Jesus, eternal life can't, eternal life begins now. Eternal life is about knowing God. Now I say, hey, what is eternal life? And people are like, well, it's heaven. You get, to, you get to go to heaven. Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead so that you can go to heaven. And, and I think that's kind of how the idea that I got growing up, that essentially was you believe in Jesus, he died on the cross for you, and because of it, you get a ticket. And now I've got this ticket, and if I can just be good enough between now and the point in which I die, and I've still got my ticket, 
then I, then I can go to heaven. But that is not how Jesus describes it. He does not describe it as a ticket for a future event. He describes it as a present potential reality for you right now. Eternal life begins now that you can know God and Jesus whom he has sent. Now the challenge for us is we use the word know almost exclusively as fact gathering. Hey, you can know God. And we put in about. I can know about God. I can know Jesus. I can know about Jesus. We turn around and like, there are things that I can learn. But both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, the idea of know has a much significant a much more significant meaning. It really has more of an intimacy to it. You can, you can know in an intimate, emotional, spiritual, connected way. You can know God. You can know Jesus. You can know and be fully known in a world that can just be so yuck sometimes, can be so unsettling sometimes. And I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I don't know who I'm supposed to be. I don't know. And, and, like, and, and I, can, I can know God. I can connect with him. He can, he can be mine and I can know him and he'll know me and I can have life with him. Capital L, life. Now. And so the two biggest challenges and we experience them all the time and it just seems like right now and this is a season in our church where there's a lot of bad things happening to a lot of really awesome people. And it's been very challenging kind of walking through this, but we're walking through these challenges in life. And sometimes, let's be honest, some of them are self-inflicted. Like I've, I've, I've done this, I've let this happen, I did this thing, and my, and my sin has, has really hurt me. And then, the, and then the Easter weekend, Jesus, but Jesus died for that. The guilt, the shame, he died for that. If sin is your problem, you need to know Jesus died for that. And it is no longer the end of your story, the guilt, the shame, the unsettledness, the separation. Jesus died for that. But sometimes it's not, it's not what I did. It's just life. It's sickness. It's death. It's tragedy. And Jesus rose from the grave to show you that death is no longer the end of the paragraph. It is no longer the end of the sentence. It is no longer the end of the story. Jesus rose from the dead to demonstrate to this world that the death, that sickness and power has in this world is only temporary. So whatever it is, whatever it is that is holding us back, what Jesus Christ did for us this weekend brings life in it. My sin, my guilt, my shame, the things that I do, that's no longer who defines me. It's no longer what defines me. Jesus died for that. I have forgiveness. I have life. The sickness, the pain, the death, the tragedy that I see all around me, that I see all around this world. Jesus came back to life. He conquered death. And now you can know that that is not the end. An eternal life for you is both eternal and quality. It is, a, it, is a, it is an eternal life now. 
but is also in quantity. It is a life that will last forever where one day, after this physical death, Jesus will conquer, has conquered the death in your life as well, and we will get to be with him forever. So whatever it is that is holding you back from hope, whatever it is that is holding you back from life, be it something you've done or what the world is, you know that Jesus has conquered that for all of us. And that is what we celebrate today. And so I pray that the celebration of that will be very real to you. And as we're going to continue in our worship service, we want to take some, do some really tangible things. We want to continue to sing and praise and thank God. Thank his son, Jesus Christ, for what he's done for us. But we also have great ways to respond in the back. There's communion available um, and, and individual cups. So you, want, you can go back there at any time for the rest of the service and go back there. Take that alone with your family. Encourage you to do that. There's prayer candles where you can pray. There's a cross where you can kneel and pray. There's people who love to pray with you. Lots of different ways to kind of physically and tangibly respond to the hope that God has offered. But the biggest response that we want people to have is that if this gift has been offered you and you've never taken it, if you're still operating under a list of things that I've got to do and you've never accepted the gift, please accept it today. Put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ, not in your ability to be good enough. I do not surrender to hopelessness and I, 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 I release this idea that I have to be good enough. And I put my faith and trust fully in Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. Let's pray. God, I thank you for Easter. I thank you for Good Friday and I thank you for Easter. God, I thank you for your son's death that allows us to have life with you. And God, I thank you that you brought him back from the grave so that we can know for sure that death is no longer the end. That God, that you have conquered sin and you have conquered death and you have brought each and every one of us back to you. God, if we will just receive. And so God, for those of us who haven't, God, let us have the faith, the courage, the humility to recognize what our sin has done and receive this gift from you. And God, I pray that all of us, whether we accept this for the first time or just being renewed today, that God, that we would live life now with the hope that we have in this life and the next. And again, it is in your son's name that we pray. Amen.